I still feel embarrassed about saying this. If this isn't the trajectory of my life, like, I don't know what is. So my first memory was her dying. She fell from my mum and dad's windowsill. My dad lost his job. My nan died and my nan had a stroke. Now, this is a bit sad, but I don't feel like I'm fun to be around. We all had Echo... Oh, my God, Echo Falls. Do you remember Echo Falls? But I do constantly think that every single person on this world, if they like me, they don't actually like me. They're pretending. Like I find myself even questioning my best friend. So low. I was so anxious. I didn't want to leave the house. Walking the dog was like a good day. What helps my anxiety don't get too comfortable clearly i've still withheld like i need to bring this up in therapy blimey i'm not sure if okay this plant is really annoying me but wait one second <laughs> it's like a massive tree but i know that every time i moved it all like rustle and i'm not gonna like sit still and i realized that the whole of the last episode i was using my laptop mic not this mic so I, when I went to edit the last episode, I was like, this audio is terrible. And I thought it was because it's a cheap mic. I'm just new to this and also stupid. So hopefully we're getting better audio today. So we're off to a great start. Welcome back to a conversation with me, Erin, and this is our safe space to have a bit of a chat. Before we get into the conversation today, I just want to say thank you so much for all the support. Like, genuinely, I never, ever, ever in my life could have anticipated how much love and support I was going to get. It was absolutely unbelievable, and I feel so, so, so grateful. Yeah, it's been incredible, and I was, I just really wasn't expecting the amount of love. Like, I genuinely thought it was going to get a couple of views, and the reels are being well received the instagram's being well received the tiktok's being well received it's just incredible and since last week i've made a tiktok page and an instagram page especially for the podcast and i'm uploading clips on there on the instagram i'm also uploading extra little bits so yeah i'm just honestly it's been absolutely incredible i've i've been putting so much time into it and i feel like it's really like you can tell like i feel like you guys oh my god my dog has just farted i'll be that really <laughs> i'm sorry i really tried to ignore it but i was almost like eating it he normally only does really loud farts and they don't smell but more recently he's been in like really silent smelly ones and they are just horrific like I can't tell you. What was I saying? Yeah, the podcast this week and how people are receiving it and how much love I've been getting and wanting to make the best content possible has completely consumed my mind. But in the best possible way, I think this is the first time in a really long time I felt so passionate and excited about something and I really feel like this is going somewhere I just can't tell you what if I haven't really been up to much this week I was gonna do a little like I sat down planning the podcast and I was like right well sit down write what you were doing been doing the last week and I realized how boring my life is because I cannot tell you one exciting thing however tomorrow's me get We'll use the term exciting, positive mental attitude in that. Something's happening that 
I will definitely share my experience of. So I, you might know, you might not know, I've got Crohn's disease. This will probably come up every single episode. Like people are gonna be like, "Hun, we know you're ill, shut up. But I'm having to start a new medication and it's an injection. It's a self-administering injection called Adamilab. I can't pronounce it for the life of me. But tomorrow I've got to have a loading dose. So that means I've got to have four injections instead of just the one. But a nurse is coming to the house and showing me how to do it and stuff. So we've had a sharp spin delivered. We've had the injections delivered. They're currently sat in the fridge. You know, and just like, what is my life? And the sharp spin ruins the vibe of the kitchen. My kitchen's very like, there's a lot of dark wood. There's green, there's like mosaic tiles. There's... All the walls are red, apart from one green wall and the mosaic tiles. There's like a wall bar, but it's all like wood and there's lots of plants. Like that's the vibe, yeah. And then all of a sudden we've got a grey and yellow sharps bin. Doesn't really fit, but I ain't got a choice. So that is what's happening tomorrow. I will definitely... There's something to look forward to. Something to keep your eyes peeled for, because I'll obviously talk about it. I think it's really important on a more serious note to raise some awareness for this stuff so yeah that's exciting at least i'll have like some more juicy goss to tell you next week before i get on to today's topic i just want to put a little bit of disclaimer i'm not in no means a medical professional or a mental health professional so my course refuses to give us accreditation accreditation that's why because apparently i can't even talk so i'm not a qualified mental health professional if you are really struggling speak to a doctor um in the channel description there'll be mental health charities reach out to them i've been supported by a mental health charity in the past and it's been incredible i've also been to the doctors about my mental health so yeah or speak to a friend family member Sweet Dunn, this isn't professional advice, this is just sharing a little bit of, just sprinkling a little bit of what I've experienced and if you relate that's incredible because that's what the purpose of this is for. So today's topic is living with an anxiety disorder. Now, I've had countless mental health professionals tell me I have anxiety and I've generalised anxiety as well but I don't have like a diagnosis, I don't think. I think if you looked at my health records, it wouldn't say like anxiety disorder, but I've been told that that's what I have. And also I think if you lived with me, you'd like, woof, anyone that knows me is like, she's an anxious queen. Yeah, we're gonna be talking about that today. We're gonna be going into a bit of my childhood, digging up some trauma, that stuff that I love to talk about. Gonna be talking a little bit about how it impacts my life, some of the symptoms I experience. We've got a lot to unpack today, but I think it's going to be a really good episode. I hope you can take something from it. So when I was a child, that would have been what? I was born in 2002, so 2003, 2004 to 2011, 2012, maybe even older than that. It depends what you classify as a child. But during that time period, only 8% of children in the whole of the UK had a diagnosed anxiety disorder, and that's in 2007. That still shocked me as actually how high that was. 
But if you look at 7 to 16 year olds in 20... I'm just looking at my notes. 7 to 16 year olds in 2022, 18% of them have got probable mental illness. Now, that jump is absolutely staggering. And I just wanted to preface it before I explain what was happening in my childhood because I think it was a different time even though I'm only 21 it was a different time but also kids nowadays go through so much more what my anxiety stems from things that were completely out of control like of anything they've We've got nothing to do with the world, but obviously now the world is ridiculously scary and children are on social media and stuff like that. But I think that was a, I just found that really fascinating because I think there's a lot of focus on adults with mental illness, but I think it seems to me that children are being left behind. And that's, I think, what happened to me. So I guess we should probably start around the age of eight even though I showed signs of anxiety before this time because I had an extreme phobia of dressed up people to the point of I would have panic attacks this was from the age of like two until 10 11 and I don't like them now but I'm not scared of them in the same way I yeah I had hypnotherapy that didn't work like it was extreme to the point of I knew that they were there before they were there, if that makes sense, because I was so hyper aware, so conscious. My parents are going on holiday this week, so I just got interrupted by a delivery. I've had so many deliveries today of them getting clothes and stuff. They're going away for four days, but the both of them are worse than me. What was I saying? Oh yeah, just like people. So I'd be like hyper aware. I'd have panic attacks. I'd it would it would it was horrific. Like because. We couldn't afford to go abroad when I was a kid, so we did sun holidays. So if you don't know what a sun holiday is, you'd get a voucher in the sun newspaper and it'd be a really, really cheap holiday. I don't know how cheap. And you'd stay in like a caravan at like a haven holiday park or something like that. I think sometimes it weren't even haven. It was like, I don't know. But anyway, that, that was my childhood, going on those holidays. And obviously when you go on caravan holidays in the UK... They have dressed up people. Again, I got interrupted by my dad. Honestly, you don't get a second's piece in this house. Yeah, so there'd always be like these characters at these holiday parks. As much as I loved the caravan holidays, literally the minute I was there, I would go white as a sheet. I'd be like, where are they? When are they going to be here? Like, it was just so traumatic for everyone involved because every time I wasn't in the caravan or outside of the caravan park, I would be on high alert. So that was when I was really, really little. And then at the age of eight, a lot happened in my life. There was a lot of change, a lot of trauma, like big life changes. My dad lost his job. My nan died and my nan had a stroke all in the same year and both my nans they they weren't just nuns to me they were like second mum so my grandparents were like extra sets of parents not that my parents weren't able to look after me because they were but they worked full-time so from the age of zero particularly the nan that passed away from the age, I think, of six months, my mum went back to work. Or even, might even before that, might have been four months. She went to work very, very early. 
No, it wasn't as early as four months, was it? Don't be dramatic. I think it was six months. I went to my nan and granddad's and was there every day. So they were a huge, huge part of my life. Would see them every day. And really, really suddenly, she had a heart attack in her sleep, died. So, and I say it's so matter of factly, but it was. So a lot had changed in that year. And I think that's where there was a shift in just the anxiety from the phobia to anxiety about every single little thing that happens in life. I would always think of the worst very, very extremely, I think, from that age. That's what I can remember. Obviously, I was so little, so it's hard to remember before that anyway. But for me, I struggled to remember before the age of eight, and I think it's because something inside me shifted. So I think there was always a predisposition for me to be an anxious person, but I think that that I think it got triggered then, potentially, but obviously we don't know. I was always the crybaby at school. I was always called a crybaby from my peers, even my friends, because kids are horrible like kids are just just horrible little creatures like I love like I love children but also they're so vile to each other um so I was called a crybaby and to be fair I was very very sensitive and the teachers made it apparent that they found me overly sensitive I was told by teachers you're too sensitive or stop crying or you need to grow up like that was things that would that was almost a narrative that was told to me through school because I would find I would get very very overstimulated and over emotional in situations which probably to another child they may have may have found that they could cope with so like for example I remember at PGL I cried pretty much all day every day just because I didn't have the confidence in myself to do the activities and to be fair the teacher that I was put with and I I think looking back now I was probably deliberately put with her because she was really really good with me she wasn't even a teacher she was a receptionist but anyway she was there to like comfort me and cuddle me and make sure I was okay but another child would find that absolutely fine like most kids did like I was the odd one out if that makes sense and this happened even in school as well if there was a situation I found uncomfortable, I'd be in class and somebody would... I still feel embarrassed about saying this, and I know it is so silly. When I was two, we adopted Smudge and Smurf because our other cat died. And Smurf, when I was three... This is like my first memory. If this isn't the trajectory of my life, like, I don't know what is. So my first memory was her dying... She was a kitten when we got her and she fell from my mum and dad's windowsill and hit her head on a wheelie bin, bounced off and died. And we didn't see this happen because my mum was out and my dad was at work. So I was staying at my nan and granddad's but then my dad got home and she was like underneath the windowsill dead. So... And that's like my first memories finding out that. And apparently the first thing I said was like, she was my best friend, like burst into tears. Absolutely heartbreaking. So if you, you're a kid and you hear that a cat's fallen out of a window, didn't land on its feet and died, that is so hilarious. And because I allowed myself to be a bit of a target, 
people would just like retell this story to me and like die laughing and then I'd get really upset and like run to the corner of the classroom and like just cry my eyes out and like, everyone would be like oh she goes again things like that would happen like and clearly oh my god clearly I've still withheld like I need to bring this up in therapy blimey I went through all of primary school being very much picked on and I went to a very small primary school so we were all still friends it was really weird which is why I think I've got such like a weird relationship with friends but now we're not talking about friends in this episode but it would even be little things like I remember once like a computer deleted all my work so instead of just depressing the undo button I sat there and cried instead of like problem solving and dealing with it myself and this would be like in year five and I remember being made to feel very, very difficult by one of the teachers. And she was like, oh, I can't deal with you. And stormed off. And like, another teacher come and help me. And was like, calm down the situation. And then, within an instance, when it was sorted, I'd be fine. But I just felt so overwhelmed. Like, I couldn't do it myself. I didn't have the confidence in myself to do it. And I'd second-guess myself. And I even found that in... I dropped out of drama school because... And I was doing really, really well. I was getting, like... I remember I got a lead part... This is when I was probably like nine, maybe even younger than that, maybe maybe eight. But I was so scared to play this lead role that I dropped out because my anxiety was so bad. But obviously, you can't verbalise that when you're a child. You don't have... Back then, as well, I don't know about now with kids now, but I didn't know the vocabulary to verbalise how I was feeling other than just crying and trying to either flee the situation or just freeze now i think if when i spoke to my therapist she's gone that should have been picked up the excessive crying in school you shouldn't have been seen as oh she just cries a lot or she's too sensitive or she needs to grow up or she's babied because actually I was never ever mollycoddled or babied by my parents like when I was home I was fine it was just in school that maybe should have been brought to my parents as like but then my school was a failure anyway we had six we had like 17 teachers between the year two and year six so school was an absolute joke but there was no no one coming to my parents being like look this is this isn't right like there's something there so it's kind of like I just thought that's how I was so then by the time secondary school come I almost like shut off emotionally kind of but then again I didn't it was weird like I didn't cry for years but I was also ridiculously emotional still honestly you could not write this I just had to pause because I was having like major anxiety because the dog was barking I couldn't get him to stop oh you're okay yeah and I was just and there's been men the kids have gone out I think we got up to like secondary school that was a really weird time for me because it's probably when I felt less anxious but also I still didn't have an easy ride with like friendships and stuff like that and also I really really desperately tried to change so I wasn't being at all I wouldn't cry about barely anything especially in front of people like it's almost it's switched in me from year six to year seven where it's like right you're not gonna cry anymore but I was still an extremely anxious 
person. Like, I think most teenagers, I refuse to put my hand up. Or, like, not refused, but I really wouldn't volunteer or put my hand up. And if I did, I'd be extremely cautious. I'd overthink it. I would have to be 100%. Like, I, I just didn't like really speaking in front of people I didn't put myself out there anymore I stopped being outgoing I yeah I become conscious of literally everything I sell I had like crippling self-doubt which I still do even just walking I would question I would question the way I spoke it'd be like I'd come home at night and this is still the case now and I would lay in bed like just my mind would overplay every single thing I'd done that day like overthinking stressing and there was also a side to me that I was so ridiculously scared of upsetting my parents or disappointing my parents. I only got one detention and that was just because I slept in. In my whole secondary school years, I was just terrified of disappointing them. I did everything in my power to try not to disappoint them which again fueled this like anxiety self-doubt perfectionist inside of me i even then become conscious around family and friends like i feel like i never really allowed myself to just let go like i didn't oh if you asked me to i wouldn't have known how even like so it's like most teenagers so like my parents were very liberal and they were very much of the opinion of as long as you tell us and you're in somebody's house and you're safe and we know the parents, we're okay with you doing pretty much everything. As long as there's transparency, the minute there's transparency, then they'll be like, you're not doing that. So they'd rather me tell them than provide the alcohol and me be in a house, whether that was ours or someone else's, and drink over being in a field obviously because they're like you're gonna do it anyway so the first time I ever drunk it was New Year's Eve and we all had echo oh my god echo falls do you remember echo falls even the thought of that now turns my stomach but I was terrified like I think most kids would be really excited to have alcohol and have the opportunity but in my head, I was like, well, I can't be drunk because my parents. Even though my parents knew they provided the alcohol, allegedly. Um, they knew where I was. They knew the parents. They knew the house. They knew who I was with. It was just girls. But I was still inside me absolutely terrified that... I would disappoint them by drinking even though they knew that I was there drinking and that was kind of I was that I guess that's the first time I realized that probably my teenagers wouldn't necessarily be the same as other people's and maybe everybody has those anxieties and just don't talk about it maybe that's really normal maybe some people just don't just kind of a very carefree and don't really think through the consequences but for me I'm always thinking about the worst case disappointing parents getting too drunk being sick I'm a metaphobe needing my stomach pumped end up in hospital dying 
like those when in that situation with the alcohol that's what was going through my head it wasn't just and of course I was tipsy and I had fun with my friends but the minute I started to feel a bit drunk I'd drink water because I was like nope you can't feel out of control area and you've got to be in control you've got to control everything this is what was going on in my head I guess another kind of instance that I can share to kind of give you kind of more of an example of how when I was a teenager my life was impacted so I started talking to this boy I'm trying not to give too much away because even though it was when I was like 15 I don't want people if people in my school know that's fine if you listen to this hi but also I don't want to make it obvious but anyway so I was talking to this boy we were talking to for quite a long time and we both like said we liked each other and I was really excited about him and obviously he was like oh let's like me obviously I'm, I was 15 so and the last thing in my head was doing anything I just want to put that out there that's not what we were going to meet we were going to meet in a park and just hang out anyway classy <laughs> gonna meet in the park the thought of meeting him was so terrifying to me that I just kept putting it off kept making excuses I just in my head that would be literally the worst thing in the world I couldn't push myself out my comfort zone to go and meet this person I really really liked and I don't know why there was a million and one things going in my head and I it's not like it was somebody from the internet or a stranger like it was a boy we went to school together I knew who he was he knew who I was so it wouldn't have been weird but in my head it was instantly weird and I'm like oh I can't do that that's no I can't do that and then you go and then in my head you can tell why I'm talking about I'm getting words up and then in my head I go well then I can't tell my parents but then I can't lie to my parents and what if I tell my parents then what if they don't let me but then what if they think it's something and what if what if he ends up breaking up with me hun you're not even you don't even want to meet him so let alone him being your boyfriend but all these things and it's like well what if he tries to kiss me and I don't want to kiss him just tell him you don't want to but all these things are going on in my head and then the whole situation seems so awful and like it will be the worst thing in the world that I just kept blowing him off to the point of he then <laughs> spoke to another girl while he was talking to me and went behind my back met up with her and then just ghosted me but obviously if I'm not willing to meet up with him, then nothing can come of the liking. Yeah, it was literally every single thing was just... Is it catastrophized? Is that the right word? It would it would just be catastrophized in my head. And there was a time period after... Now, trigger warning, I'm going to briefly discuss terror attacks. So I'll put a time code on screen now of when I stopped talking about it because it's only going to be for a small portion after the Friday the 13th and I know I remember it so clearly Friday the 13th Paris terror attack I remember children need was on we had PE but we were in non-uniform at school I think I was in year eight I come home watch children in need and then after children in need breaking news flashed on and there was the Paris terror attacks and then I think it was after that, for a short period, there was quite frequent attacks. 
I was somebody, like me and my mum were going to London so much, I didn't go out. I would only go out to places I knew, places I felt comfortable. I didn't go to London for years. And every time I did go to London, I, I was having almost a constant anxiety attack. It was horrific. I just thought that that was going to happen to me. And that, I think, again, was another situation. I wasn't in the, obviously, I wasn't in the attacks. And I've never, fortunately, such would been in a situation like that. However, it was just like, that existential oh my god this could happen to anyone this is going to happen to me i need to do everything in my power to protect myself to the point of even in my hometown like i thought like something was going to happen like it was really it was a really difficult time i was having nightmares night terrors but that was just from something i saw on the news and it's that thing of that also then heightened my anxiety even more and limited what I did even more because I was just terrified of everything I think I thought worst case of everything so I just wanted to share that because I think that added to my anxiety but that was obviously a lot long before um the drinking and the boy and more of those sort of situations happened where I would be try and be as in controlled as I could of every single situation um throughout school parties surrounding boys friends i over analyzed everything overthought about everything tried to control everything and really really like i look back on my teen years and i really really limited myself i could have had some amazing times been a little bit wild and my parents would have been fine about it because they were so like as long as i was honest with them and i was safe they were so okay with everything but yeah so it really restricted me and then it got to about the sixth form and I was diagnosed with Crohn's in year 12 so that kind of took up a lot of year 12 but then in year 13 I just I think I missed a month of school just I couldn't leave my bed I was so low I was so anxious I didn't want to leave the house walking the dog was like a good day like if I managed to get out with Albie that was a good day like I was an absolute mess when Covid happened I wasn't allowed to leave the house because I was high risk and even though that added its own really extreme anxieties it also meant I felt weirdly protected I no one was going to force me to leave my parents wouldn't have to put pressure on me not pressure but there would be no encouragement to leave so it was just me in my house with my mum and dad and I didn't have any schoolwork to do. I could make YouTube videos, I could distract myself and I was in this safe little bubble and it was just me and my two people and my dog and that was enough. I think that was one of the worst things to have happened to me just because it meant that it could fuel that well if you do go out into the world bad things are going to happen so you might as well stay at home because that's where you're safe and don't push yourself out your comfort zone because the worst will happen that fueled that voice so i could just be erin indoors and erin indoors is really happy and even though she definitely would be happier if she pushed herself out of comfort zone and experienced the world actually she doesn't know any different and this protects her from any immediate anxiety so unreal i think the first year of uni it stopped for the first half but then the second half we had lockdown um the winter lockdown so 
that wasn't a good time for my mental health. I'm sure we'll talk about that at another point, but that's when I kind of began experiencing like ED behaviours and I think a lot of that come from my need to control and my need to feel in control. That's where my anxiety stems from and I think going back to the age of eight lots of things happened in that year that was completely out of control i couldn't control my nan having a stroke and losing her speech i couldn't control my other nan dying suddenly and i couldn't control my dad losing his job and it was a re- and i don't want to go into that because that's not my business but it was a really difficult time for the family i couldn't control any of that so my little brain is like well that means like just felt I guess must I must have felt unsafe I don't know but now I've got this obsession with controlling because that means I I can make sure everything's okay well that's a bit deep what a poignant thought and then in second year I think because of the ED because that heightens anxiety as well and because I wasn't really happy at uni I was then leaving lectures because I was having a panic attack. I just didn't feel feel safe anywhere. I did not, apart from the house that I'm in right now, but obviously that's like two odd hours away from York. I did not feel safe anywhere. So I was in a constant state of anxiety. I was in fight or flight mode constantly. Like I've never experienced anxiety like it. Like I would be happy one second trying on clothes and having outfits and all of a sudden break down have a panic attack on the phone to my mum I remember once we went to Cambridge for a day having a really nice day me and mum and we were absolutely fine and then I went into Urban because I needed some jeans and I was in the changing rooms probably an hour just couldn't find jeans to fit this is I think when my most drastic body changes happened from my ED I'm trying to not say any triggering words and I just had no I still don't really have a concept of what I look like so I just was their clothes were too big they weren't fitting my new body right it was just hell and I literally left and just broke I was I had a panic attack in the middle of Cambridge and we had to go home like but I was absolutely fine up at it like it was so extreme and there would be no reason for it and I think that's when it was it's worse I think I can manage my anxiety a lot better now I still have a lot of behaviors which I'll talk to you about but I'm not having anxiety attacks and panic attacks as much what I differentiate it to by because obviously everyone calls them different things for me personally when I'm talking I just want to clarify panic attacks for me are when I'm rapidly breathing, I'm sobbing, I can't get control in control of my emotions and I need someone to physically like breathe with me, hold me, comfort me. My anxiety attacks, they'll last, it could be days, it could be hours, but it's where I feel in a constant state of anxiety and I'm having, my heart's going, I feel like I'm almost, it affects my mind a lot more, like I'm on constant high alert, I think that something's bad's gonna happen and sometimes that can lead in a panic attack, sometimes it doesn't. I guess following on from that, I will speak to you about the symptoms. So I'm getting a lot less panic attacks now, which I'm so grateful for, but that's taken over a year of therapy and work and when I first went into therapy I was we did like a scale thing and my therapist is very much like we don't need a diagnosis or it's not to diagnose but it's just to give us both a guide of how I'm doing and I was at the highest one like 
pretty much the highest number of anxiety like extreme anxiety and now I'm low to moderate so I lean more towards moderate but on good days I'm normally moderate anxiety so that's a really big improvement but it's taken a lot of work and obviously I want to preface that my therapy is private and I know not everybody is fortunate enough to be in that position so I just want to know like I know I'm extremely grateful and I know that some people can be in as desperate position as me and my family were in for my mental health but still not be able to give that support so I guess the symptoms I found this really hard when I sat down to write out the symptoms I I found it really hard to pinpoint I think because a lot of the symptoms I experience are so normal to me now that I wouldn't even think that they're an anxiety symptom they're just a part of who I am and I know that can be quite dangerous to identify yourself as a mental illness but because I am separate I think a lot of my personality is because I'm an anxious person a lot of my behaviors is because I'm an anxious person because it's a way my body has learned to cope and I know that isn't always a good thing but it's 21 years of being in constant anxiety like that's kind of who I am and I know that sounds a bit sad but it's also kind of true I'm constantly self-doubting I don't think I ever fully believe in myself I'll have moments but there's more self-doubt than there is self-belief I genuinely walk into a room and think every single one of those people is watching me and silently criticizing me I don't think even my family like if I hear my parents talking I'm like what are you talking about because I think they're talking about me even though they love me and they always want the best for me but I do constantly think that every single person on this world if they like me they don't actually like me they're pretending like I find myself even questioning my best friend the her and like my parents are like the two the three people in the world that I know like do genuinely like me and I have those thoughts less but I do sometimes question like is she just friends with me because I was an easy option that happens all the time like I genuinely don't think that anybody else likes me for me maybe that's not an anxiety thing but I would branch it under my anxiety because I'm hyper aware 24 7 like I cannot tell you I'm constantly on high alert constantly aware of things hearing things like planes after everything that happened in you well that's happening in Ukraine that was when my anxiety was at its worst and it was really distressing me I think linking back to the terror it's kind of like that's so catastrophic I just I couldn't sleep I was on BBC News hours a day I was reading about it at like it completely consumed me but even now if I hear a plane I'm like oh what's that or if my dad's phone alert goes for the news we were talking about it yesterday actually and he's like I know the minute the like the news alert goes on my phone that you're gonna be like what's that what's that what's that and I'll have to explain it to you because I'm so hyper aware and vigilant of everything and to the point of it's so consuming for my mind like I can't just go on a leisurely walk because I'll be constantly like 
like I just can't relax even when I'm in the house I it's almost like it's almost made me think that I'm psychic and I also I think I'm psychic anyway but I know what's going to happen before it happens like a hundred percent of the time because my mind has allowed me to analyze everything so intricately my whole life that I can predict things that are going to happen that it's just such an extreme hyper awareness sounds smells everything like I'm just so aware of everything and it's like obviously sometimes it can be a good thing but also a lot of the times it's not a great thing and what people are saying I pick up on it like yeah it's wild I can be stood there not with my headphones in but oh no if the people behind me are talking about like something bad or if there's been an incident like I will not I'll pick up on it like I'll know I cannot make a decision for the life of me this does my head in but I just can't I think whatever decision I make I'm going to get judged upon there isn't a right decision but then there's not a wrong decision but then there should be a right decision my head like my head is like go 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 a million one miles an hour all the time like yeah I just cannot make a decision because no matter what decision makes I'll overthink it so intensely like you should have seen me and Kira trying to pick a place for a holiday I was overthinking so much but I'm like yeah in my head I'm like yeah but if I go there that'll mean that but then if I go there I mean that but then what if I go there but then what if I'm supposed to be going there like honestly like it's so draining when my anxiety is bad or I I know if my anxiety is about to flare because I'll feel like I'm going to be sick I'll get like this lump and I can't swallow and in my head I'm thinking I'm going to be sick even though I'm not but it's because I've got emetophobia and then I'll start panicking about being sick and then that'll cause a panic attack. Like I've mentioned loads I have a need to control everything and if it's something that I can't control I'll find it really really uncomfortable and difficult so like going on a plane that's going to be a challenge for me like just going with the flow as well like just having a day of like oh let's see what happens why well, I can't be in control of that so then I'll start to freak out <laughs> but in my head I'd love to be a person that's spontaneous and can just go with the flow and let someone else take the reins and that's what I want but also I think I naturally if that happens I'm naturally then like well no I need to take like I naturally kind of swoop in or try and guide it in some way I can dissociate and then just when I'm having an anxiety attack I there can be a whole day where I feel like I'm not in my body I'm not in my skin I'm not in my mind I don't really know what's going on yeah I just feel very very disconnected from reality I'm pretty much always tense like I always feel like that like if you feel my shoulders they'll be like that like I'm just so like I'm just a tense person I'm a bit like I don't know but then I'm also like it depends how well you if you know me really well I'm then really relaxed and like a bit mental and just a bit weird but for the most part I'm quite like a tense person like it takes me a lot to feel relaxed like after a good few hours I'll relax but it takes me a while catastrophizing thinking of the worst case scenario at literally every decision like I'll be cutting food and I'll be like oh my god what if this knife goes into my stomach and I die like what like literally every single thing I do I think of like the worst case scenario while I'm doing it which like spikes my anxiety obviously sometimes it's a little bit more more extreme than other times like 
refusing to go to London for two years because you think you're going to be attacked or, yeah, refusing to leave the house because (laughs) you think there's going to be, like, a war breakout on a random Tuesday. Like, genuinely, like, it can be quite extreme, but it can also be, like, little things like I'll be walking the dog and I'm like, what if, like, what if Albie just runs away and I never see him again and then, like, I get killed? Like, it's genuinely, like, the most random weird things like they make no logical sense but that's where my head goes i need constant reassurance like my dad was talking to me about this as well yesterday he was like when i'm they him and my mum can tell when i'm anxious because or i'm getting anxious about something because i'll ask a million and one questions but the answer to the question won't be enough so what about this what about this yeah but why but then what about this like i'm like you know like two-year-olds when they can speak or like maybe three they ask a question about a question about a question that is me when i'm anxious because i need to know the ins and outs of every little detail but even then it's not enough because it's not coming from a logical place of questioning i need to know every detail i need constant reassurance i always think that i people hate me or that i've upset people like i can become quite obsessive with questioning and knowing that i'm okay or that they're okay or that i've not done something wrong like i said i hyperfixate, i overanalyze so i'm like my anxiety so my panic attacks are almost like i'll feel a little bit anxious i'll go really really quiet and then i can start to feel i can feel it building slowly in here and then i can feel myself like on the verge of crying and that's what if it feels like i'm on the verge of crying i can't talk because of the lump in my throat I then feel like I can't breathe and then I'm just like grounding myself because talking about it can bring them on either somebody says something like they it might not even be like it might be like Jim can I get past please and I'll break or it can be just me on my own and then I'll like cry my eyes out I'll be like <laughs> like obviously the typical like I can't then breathe yes yeah, so I'm like sobbing I'm struggling to breathe and like I just need somebody to sit with me, breathe with me, calm me down. Albie's really good actually. Like Albie knows when I'm gonna have one and he'll like sit by me and like comfort me as if somebody's not there. Oh my god, why is that making me emotional? He's really good. Like he'll like because I'll normally be on the edge of a seat, like with my head down to try and get some air in, and he comes and he licks away my tears and he like sits not like because he's quite an intense dog so like if he wants attention he'll be like in your face but he's not like that like he'll let me lead him but like he knows what he's doing he's such a good boy but yeah so those are my panic attacks like my anxiety attacks are like i'm in a constant fight or flight i feel completely dissociated from my body nothing feels real i can smell everything i can hear everything i can see everything it's almost like I can't quite explain it, but that's kind of the best way. Like, I can hear everything, but also not hear anything. And I can see everything, but also not see anything. And I can smell everything, but also, like, everything, so much. It's, I can, I'm so aware of everything, it's almost like a blur. I don't know. It's quite overwhelming, so it's hard to explain. So I guess, how does it impact my life? I guess you've probably got a sense of how it impacts my life from what i've said i am constantly on edge like even when i'm relaxed i'm not relaxed like i'm constantly thinking the only time i'm fully relaxed is if i'm 
meditating constantly like every single day regularly yeah I never ever feel like I'm good enough I never feel really worthy I always feel like I've done something wrong like I said earlier yeah I never feel good enough it does feel slightly impossible to be spontaneous and live in the moment like I don't really know what spontaneity and living in the moment could look like for me I'd love it but I like I'd love my life to be like that but I just can't imagine that for me like I can't see how I could implement that in my life I can waste hours overthinking like something one thing could happen to me and I'll spend days overanalyzing it maybe even weeks like it could be the smallest thing that nobody else has picked up on but in my head I'll like grip onto it and be like oh my god that makes me the worst human being in the world like you're evil when I've like accidentally sodden an ant like do you know what I mean it makes me wish I could be more fun now this is a bit sad but I don't feel like I'm fun to be around (laughs) I feel like I'm a pain in the ass to be around so I don't think that I'm fun and for me fun would be like life is out of the party a bit crazy a bit wild yeah even though I can be the life and soul of the party it takes me a lot to get there and it's very dependent on a lot of things I'm not just there instantaneously so I just don't think I'm fun I might be but in my head I'm not a fun person so I want to quickly talk about what helps my anxiety I've never taken meds so I don't want to go into that because i I don't have experience to share but for me rescue remedy unbelievable I literally took some in one of the breaks of this really really helps me you can get it from super drugs like that and it comes in so many different types I always have a funny podcast downloaded something that completely distracts me on Spotify so if I'm out and I start to feel anxious I can just put my headphones in make sure you've always got headphones on you I love parenting hell jack makes happy hour Wednesdays we drink wine nearly weds they're like some of my go-tos if I'm feeling really anxious to just like switch off and just like try and distract myself as best as I can journal so if I feel like I'm about to spiral I write and just write and don't try not to think about what I'm writing because sometimes you find that that gives you the reason as to why you're so anxious so then actually you can rationalize it in your head and talk it through with yourself so that kind of helps me calm the like million and one thoughts that are going in my mind walking again with a funny podcast just to have a breather like i feel like fresh air is just the best when you're anxious if planning is what helps you to calm down plan your little heart out like plan as much as you can because if that means that you can live your life great who's stopping you don't get too comfortable I think that was my failure during Covid obviously I couldn't help it but settling into your comfort zone means that you're going to become even more anxious doing anything outside of that and it's going to seem even more impossible and even more difficult and then you get stuck in a rut and then you become even more anxious if that makes sense I'm doing it now in my life I'm trying to step up my comfort zone because I become too comfortable and 
it got to a point where I was struggling to even leave the house because my comfort zone becomes so so small and finally have a conversation with someone that's really rational I'm very fortunate my dad's a very rational person my mum's very rational and also my best friend is ridiculously rational like she's the complete balance of me so I find speaking through my challenges as someone who is very very rational helps so much because if but only if I'm in the right headspace I've learned the headspace I need to be in for that but it does actually ground me and think okay no that's doable some people would say meditate I find that doesn't work for me because if I'm in an anxious headspace laying there trying to focus on my breathing is just going to make me have a panic attack but it might work for you so that's kind of it really there's not really anything else that I feel like I want to say I feel like I've said too much I feel like I've overshared like I feel like people can be like Phew. there's clearly been a change in quality and that's because my camera died on me so this is the next day but I wanted to do my three gratitudes and one hope for the future to end off the episode I didn't want to end it abruptly my first gratitude is that I had my nurse's appointment today to do my first lot of jabs and they went really well and even though it was uncomfortable it wasn't unbearable my second gratitude is for the NHS because without them I wouldn't be having this medication because of how costly it is and it really makes me appreciate how lucky I am to have such a good quality level of care for my illness my third gratitude is that my mum brought me some sunflowers yesterday and they're starting to open up and I'm grateful that she brought me them because she knew that today was going to be challenging for me and she knew that that would make me smile a little bit so yeah those are my three gratitudes if you're still listening then please feel free to comment your gratitudes or even just silently have a even if it's just one thing just say you're grateful for something in your own head and i have a hope for the future my hope for the future it's not as serious as the last one because my last one was i hope that the podcast could get received well and it did so that is just amazing i feel like i must have manifested it slightly but my hope for the future today is that I'm going to go pottery painting this afternoon or this evening and I hope that the creativity gods are with me and I end up creating a beautiful piece of art that is what I hope for anyway so yeah thank you so much for listening I will see you next week 